Three, two, one, and we are back. This is our Sunday special podcast. Um, a warning, as always, when we do the Sunday special podcast, this is not Tim and Julie Harris's normal podcast. <laughs> not normal. Yes, the podcast is called Real Estate Coaching Radio, but we actually go out of our way not to talk about real estate and not to talk about coaching. For the most part. <laughs> the of most course, part. real estate is, always comes out one way or the other, but... Uh, not in the traditional sense, like during the week. Yeah, it creeps back in occasionally just because we always have real estate and coaching on the brain. But the, for the most part, we try to use Sunday as our opportunity to just to be kind of, you know, defragging from the previous week and then sort of putting our minds back together for the following week. And generally speaking this year, there has been a lot of need for a lot of defragging, I have to say. <laughs> and the continuing saga. And it's election week. So yeah, yeah, no no rest there either. So a couple of reminders for all of you. And I know I'm, I'm reminding all of you um, this, but yet I'll forget it tomorrow you watch. So first of all, there is a time change. Yes. Okay. So be careful with that. Well, not for us in Puerto Rico, but for most people, there is. Like I said, it'll it's be very extremely confusing. confusing tomorrow. For so, the, so yeah. let me get this right. So we're East Coast time before the time change, mm-hmm. and then after the time change, we're something up. Oh, let me get it. Let me see if I get it right. Don't correct me. Mm-hmm. And after the time change, we're something called Atlantic time zone. Atlantic Standard Time. Okay, yes. so normally we're three hours difference between East Coast and West Coast. Yes, but starting tomorrow, we we're will be four, four hours, hours, four hours ahead different. of the West Coast. Okay. So if those of you have uh, think that I'm going to be calling you on time tomorrow, just... Oh, there's no chance. There's I know. No chance. It's too confusing to even figure out. Plus, your Google Calendar is going to do what it feels like. Yep. We'll, we'll sort it out. I know. But the other thing that's funny is all the people that, like, you know, when you're trying to explain to them, especially our West Coast clients and just everyone I talk to on the West Coast, you try to explain to them there's a four-hour time difference. You could just... It does not compute. No. Well, look at it this way. So they're all going to turn the clock back. But it will still, their calls, for example, and podcasts and things will still be at the same time for them, but it'll be one hour later for us. Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, just go to the worldclock.org and <laughs> that's what I do. I'm just going to do whatever Google that's Calendar crazy. tells me to do. I know. It always freaks me out to set it. Google Calendar says set to Martinique time. I'm like, okay, that's nearby. I got to figure that out. We can be on that same time zone. You know, it's it's weird. It is. You don't realize. I mean, we live in this island, and I know growing up in the Midwest, when you'd, like, I always envisioned my fantasy life was basically like the life we're living now, to be honest with you. Living someplace in the Caribbean where it's never winter, it doesn't get cold, because, you know, we certainly grew up in a harsh climate weather-wise. There's certainly beautiful months in the fall, for example, but for the most part, it was pretty much like weather Armageddon there, you know? All the time. Yeah, if you didn't like the weather, just wait five minutes, it's going to change again. Yes, indeed, that is the saying, and it's true. And it's already starting to look like winter there, and all these other types of things happen. So I always had the fantasy that we would eventually live where, like where we're living. And I remember when we first started dating, you had this little key fob that was a plastic uh, picture. You know, it was a little... A palm tree. A palm tree, yeah. So you surprised I remember, I remember that? Yeah. yeah. So, so that was a thousand years ago, but here we find ourselves. But here's the funny part. Um, when you look at a map, and you guys should all do this, look at a map and find Puerto Rico. You will not believe how far away it is from like civilization. <laughs> I, mean, from, it's, I, mean, I think we're closer by plane flight. I know it takes two hours to get to Miami, which is no big deal. Not even two hours, really. Yeah, three hours to Atlanta, about two to Miami. Yeah, but you look at a map, we're like, we're, we're farther south than Cuba. I mean, we're pretty close to Africa. Yeah. It's crazy. We get African weather. Our weather goes from east to west. 
which is very strange since normal weather goes west to east in the rest of, you know, the normal U.S. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. So, anyway, so here, here we are a couple of days from the election. And as always, we're not going to talk about politics. Nope. So, so for those of that on your own. That's exactly right. So for those of you who basically want to hear political banter, eh, wrong show. Yep. Not <laughs> but what we are going to do is we're going to share with you some absolutely goofy-ass headlines that Julie and I uh, have been sharing. Shall we start from the kind of real estate-related and work our way weirder? Yeah. <laughs> Ghost just scan up there. I know. I got. Yeah. I found most of these. Okay. Yeah. I've been sending these to you all week. Um, let me find. No. Not that one. Uh, not that one. Um, I actually like this story. This was a very interesting yeah. story. This was from CNBC, and this actually is from today. Now, this is a long-ass story, but I, I think it's really mm-hmm. – I think – can you read it to them? Or at least summarize it. Yeah, Don't we read. can just kind of lightly scan uh, the, the headline. Just what? get just read – read. basically read it and just get ready for me to be rude and interrupt you a lot if they get okay. too much into the weeds. Let me give them the headline first. Uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll get you started. I'll do the easy okay. part. Okay, you're the better out loud reader. Leaving New York, high earners in finance and tech explain why they left the world's greatest city. And here's the bullet points. I need you guys to remember this because we've been talking about this ever since the pandemic started. um, And we started hearing stories about the cities and municipalities and all states, obviously, being fearful of their loss of revenue. And the next natural thing they were all going to do is raise property taxes. They're going to raise income taxes. They're going to start taxing things that, you know, aren't being taxed. You know, all the things were going to happen in a direction that was going to be very unfavorable for, uh, you know, for taxpayers. Now, here's the thing I want you guys to pay attention to. This story and all these stories about people leaving this these highly you know taxed areas, Julie just told it. There's almost they're almost always going to be trying to put a spin on it, and I want you to pay attention to the spin. The spin is rich people are leaving to dodge taxes. Now Julie's going to read this article to you, and I guys I want you guys to keep this in mind. This is CNBC. Look how frequently they're trying to spin it. That rich, you know, read between the lines, whatever rich means, uh, people are the ones that uh, are not willing to pay their fair share, so they're leaving um, for lower tax areas. And we're going to, we'll do a little bit more, uh, you know, ripping apart of this article in a second. Uh, for the most part, 95% of it's good as it's... Uh, and it's interesting facts and statistics. I, I thought mean, so It's too. not just people saying, oh, everybody's leaving the city. It's actually proving that that is occurring. Right. Go ahead. So uh, here we go. And feel free to rudely interrupt whenever you feel like it. Okay. Uh, Like many before him, Brennan Hefner arrived in New York 20 years ago in search of a career on Wall Street. His journey will sound familiar to those drawn to the nation's financial capital. Hefner got a job at an asset management firm in Manhattan, found love and career success, and eventually moved to Pelham, an upscale town in Westchester, to start a family. He would still be there if it wasn't for the uh, pandemic, when Hefner, co-founder of a research platform called Analyst Hub, sold his house this summer to a couple from London, He wondered if it made sense to look beyond the surrounding neighborhoods for a new home. He ended up moving his family to Dallas last month. Hefner is one of thousands of high earners who have left New York this year, an exodus that is deepening concerns over a projected $9 billion, that's with a B, guys, $9 billion budget shortfall. That's a lot of money. Uh, While the city is no longer the national virus hotspot it was earlier this year, those leaving cite anxiety over the region's economy and quality of life and a conviction that higher taxes are coming. 
Last month, business leaders publicly upbraided Mayor Bill de Blasio for, quote, deteriorating conditions in commercial districts and neighborhoods across the five boroughs. Hey, let's be careful that we skip reading any politics all the way because I just don't want to be dealing with yeah. it yet. But we, it snuck up on me. Yeah, let's, I know, <laughs> let, let's stay political yeah. agnostic. Well, but, just, but it, it is a fact, though, that there's a $9 billion budget shortfall. That go. is a fact. Well, okay. here, but here's the thing I want you to start paying attention to as you read further, because I've read this too, so did you, yeah. is they're going to start spinning the rich people as being evil basically yeah. that's the gist of oh, it i'm sure that the, the rich ruined new york or something like that exactly but here's the irony of this story and all these stories and all these you know tales of you know rich people not wanting to pay their taxes mm-hmm. it's actually ironic that they're that the poor people are the ones that always suffer more when taxes go up because the taxes that are being raised in these cities and states are income taxes mm-hmm. the taxes that are being well probably income taxes but the taxes that are being raised are involuntary taxes they're taxes on uh you know essentially Everything, including property taxes. Property taxes, we pay attention to, obviously, because we're real estate coaches. Mm -hmm. But the reality of it is, is that those taxes are not um, controllable. You can't earn money or, you know, earn more, earn less. Your taxes on your property are going to go up, period. Your taxes on your consumable items are going to go up, period. And so the people that are hurt the most when they start raising taxes aren't the people like what they're describing in this article. And there's another story you're about to read. Yep. But they're the, they're the people that don't have the financial flexibility and the sure. job flexibility to leave. That's right. And their neighborhoods can be affected by it and their businesses and the right. commercial districts and, you know, what happens to the schools. And, you know, it's exactly. all related. But that's the flip side to the story mm-hmm. that's not being told. Well, not only that, but where are people like this going oftentimes to places that have never really seen, certainly not in the traditional sense, a, a major you know, housing boom or a economic boom. So they, exactly. the other little towns, you know, they are good too. Okay, so by forcing the mass adoption of remote work and crimping many of the advantage of, advantages of urban life, the pandemic has turbocharged migration from high-cost, high-density places to lower-cost states, including Texas, Florida, and Nevada. Nearly half of New Yorkers earning more than 100000 a year said they considered leaving the city recently, with cost of living being the top factor, according to a Manhattan Institute survey. And 100000 a year in Manhattan is nothing. I mean, the average rent the, there and yeah. just all the expenses there. That's like there. maybe a one-bedroom apartment in an okay neighborhood, maybe two if you're lucky. Yeah, you can't, I don't even know. You can live there for that. No way. Not, not very well. I don't yeah. think so. Okay, so that's basically saying everybody's at least considering it. Uh, quote, the cost of living down here is significantly less, Hefner said by phone from his new home. There's no state income tax. I'm not riding mass transit during the middle of the global pandemic to get to a subway to live in a WeWork or something. So they're not just stating tax. It's also, you know, the the uh, mass transit every day and all that good stuff. So for Hefner, the pandemic showed that for those in financial services, the gravitational pull of New York still exists, but is far weaker. He says he's about as effective operating his business over Slack and Zoom and plans on flying to New York monthly for client meetings. His company, founded in 2018, helps star Wall Street analysts leave big banks to form independent research shops. You want me to continue? I well, think it that's gets mostly, interesting. So I, yeah. I, I'm just not sure it's a requirement to be in the city anymore, Hefner said. That doesn't mean that I don't love the city. It's an amazing place. But as far as, a fa- uh, a family, as, far, far as for a family of five, I'm not sure it's the right place for us to be at this time. Now, it goes on and talks more about his business, which is pretty interesting, actually. But that's not really what I think you guys are going to find most interesting about this. Um, it goes on to say, no, we can skip that part. Mm-hmm. Talking about all the people leaving New York. Talks about Jerry Seinfeld. Impact uh, on commercial property. Too. Yeah. So this is where it gets interesting. At falling rents. Go yes, ahead. Yes. Okay. I thought so, too. Uh, it's hard to deny the signs of pain ahead. Data from the U.S. Postal Service, national moving companies, and tech startups tracking smartphones 
all show an elevated outflow from New York City this year. More than 246,000 New Yorkers filed a change of address request to zip codes outside the city since March, almost double the year earlier period, for instance. Again, fact is, this is really happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, this That's reduced demand for Manhattan apartments, where median monthly rents fell almost 8% to a just under $3,000 a month in the third quarter, part of a citywide decline not not seen since 2010, according to StreetEasy. To be sh- hover okay. there. Yep. So just go back to these numbers. So if you're earning $100,000 in, in you know Manhattan, you're that's $8,000 a month basically. Mm-hmm. Before taxes, and you're going to you blow three just on your rent. Right, and your taxes yeah. are probably another 2,500. I don't know. You couldn't live on 100,000. No, you I mean, and imagine if you have like. Like the guy that uh, was quoted, he's got several kids yeah, on top of that. Exactly. You know? Oh, and you got to eat. And you have to eat and, <laughs> you know, pay your subway fees. All right. So to be sure, New York area suburbs have been the primary beneficiary of the exodus. Home sales in Westchester jumped 112% in July, according to appraiser Miller Samuel. Sales in Greenwich, Connecticut, which we often talk about, just had the strongest quarter in more than a decade. For those in finance, the simple math of lower tax regimes is hard to ignore. New York State levies 8.8% on wages for high earners, and New York City takes another almost 4%, or nearly 13% combined. Meanwhile, states including Florida, Texas, and Nevada don't tax wages. The more people make, the greater the incentive there is to leave, and the difference could easily mean hundreds of thousands more dollars in after-tax pay. That's a trade some Wall Street titans have already made. Hedge fund billionaires talks about a bunch of, you know, yeah, trying to spin it about billionaires. Exactly. We're getting political again. See yeah. what they did there? Mm-hmm. Snuck it in. Yep. Um, okay. So the gist of this article, and it talked about this interest. This was interesting, too, but we'll skip all this. It's a long article. Um, the gist of the article that they then went in to talk about was the fact that a lot of these people are making these moves and they have no plan on moving back. And furthermore, they're saying because of the fact that they can work virtually, uh, they're and again, they're interviewing primarily business owners that they are more than willing to let all their staff and employees become virtual as well. And as soon as they say to their staff, you no longer have to live in Manhattan, you can live everywhere and you can, you know, just maybe we show up uh, in an office location once a quarter for a business planning meeting. That's what a lot of them are suggesting. Mm-hmm. Then people are scattering and where they scatter to are all the states with no taxes. Of course. Yeah. It just makes that, sense financially. It's fascinating? Yeah, it's absolutely fascinating. The article that you sent after this, where it talks about not just uh, the financial impact of living in states with lower taxes, but also um, the next article, if you want to go. Well, here's the punchline to this article. They're talking about, in essence, this is one of the last sentences in this article. It says, in the meantime, uh, he's worried that his expensive Manhattan properties, this is a landowner with lots of properties, will lose as much as 40% in value in the coming years. (laughs) So those are all the different sort of unintended consequences of what's happened in the uh, country as a result of the pandemic. And, you know, people are going, people who have invested in these very expensive, you, you just think of all the big, uh, you know, densely populated urban centers around the country. That's where people are leaving. And they're originally leaving probably because of the pandemic, but now they're saying, now because the norms of work and how you live have changed, and now people are willing, you know, employers and just the whole expectation, social expectations yeah. about doing things virtually. That is never, that genie is never going back in that bottle. So you have to assume that there's going to be more momentum in the direction of virtual work. And this article and about a thousand other articles that we could share with you, but we won't, are all talking about these ancillary, you know, sometimes they're called cursory and, you know, big institutional investor, investors call them B and C markets. These markets that normally would never have seen a big increase in value other than through inflation are now seeing that happen because of the fact that so many people – 
are now changing the way that they're going to live you know, at least for the next 10 years. And that's going to change permanently how essentially we live in the United States. And don't be surprised at all. Is it this article? That one. Okay, good. That one actually was from um, Glenn Sanford. That's oh, where I got this article. Very nice. Yeah. So this next article comes from, um, what was this one from? I think it is Harvard Business Review. Yeah, yeah Harvard Business Review. So this is a great article. And, and anyway, so look for more emphasis on uh, people wanting to work remotely. If you are in an area that is a densely urban populated, you know, sort of area that's been real trendy for a long period of time, you got to be looking in the MLS. You got to see the direction the market's headed because the reality of it is, is that you too might want to consider moving your market or at least having the ability to sell in multiple markets. Oh, you know the one thing I want to also talk about today. Yes. Let's not forget about this. Is Google Glass? Yes. I'll, there, I'll there's an amazing really technology cool. that's about to come out that Julie and I are just geeking out about because we can't quite understand all the ramifications as uh, pertains to real estate. But we'll talk about that in a second. Go ahead. And that relates to oh, no, this too. No, Apple Glass. Sorry, Apple not Glass. Google. Apple Glass. Yes. Okay. So I want you guys to remember a new term. I think it's WFA, work from anywhere. WFA. Ooh. New term, pandemic term. I'm collecting those words, you know. Okay. Uh, our work from anywhere future. Before 2020, a movement was brewing within knowledge work organizations. Personal technology and digital uh, connectivity had advanced so far and so fast that people had begun to ask, do we really need to be together in an office to do our work? Well, we got our answer during the pandemic lockdowns. We learned that a great many of us don't, in fact, need to be co-located with colleagues on site to do the jobs. Individuals, teams, workforces can perform well while being entirely distributed. Okay, so we've already talked about all of that. They're just opening up with that. Now, um, without question, the model offers notable benefits to companies and their employees. Organizations reduce or eliminate real estate costs. Think about commercial property, guys. Think about EXP Realty, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hire and use talent globally while mitigating immigration issues and research indicates Perhaps enjoy Hold productivity gains. I hadn't even thought about yes. that. Yes. The immigration thing. Yeah, they made a you big point what? about this. Let's, mm -hmm. That, oh, the whole, yeah, you're right, yeah. it did. But that is fascinating. Absolutely. What, what if this changes the face of basically the whole, that is really interesting because there's a big stink about immigration and visas. And what if all of a sudden someone could stay in their, where the country in which they were born. And maybe, get a job wherever. Right. Maybe they didn't actually mm -hmm. want to move to the United States. They just had to to take that sweet tech job. That's right. But along with that sweet tech job came having to live in Manhattan or something like that. And now we eliminate that. There was another uh, interesting thing on this that I hadn't um, considered. I guess we'll get to it. I'll just go through the points here. Uh, it goes through a history of remote work. And I thought it was interesting that in the 70s during the OPEC oil embargo, uh, people didn't want to commute. Gas was too expensive. And so that might have been the beginning of this. And then, of course, uh, we've proceeded from there. Can you imagine how much that sucked, though? There was no Internet then. I know. I don't even know how you do it, but lots of phone calls. Ugh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> millennials. <your> pigeons. <laughs> that's right. Millennials were excited by the idea of traveling the world while still employed. So this is just a little history of that. But uh, let's see. Uh, okay. More than 50% of employees co-located co in physical offices. It's talking about a company called TCS. And the, uh, let's see. You they, can skip all that. Yeah. Case. Lots of technical stuff there. All right. So this article breaks down benefits for individuals and companies and even basically the world. It talks about verbella. That's an interesting part. You remember exactly. Oh, so let me do this one okay. first the, for individuals. So there is an example here about military spouses, right? Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to do that. Okay, so military spouses typically move a ton, right? Some of you guys are military 
relocation agents. You guys know that. But what happens to their spouse? They're constantly finding to have the new job, right? So this talks about being able to do those military moves, and the spouse can work basically virtually anywhere, making it much more convenient and a lot of more jobs to choose from. So that was pretty cool. Uh, talks about how Tulsa actually had... Uh, and I think they still have basically a program where they'll pay companies $10,000 a piece to relocate there. They had, what was it, uh, 250 uh, spots and over 25,000 applicants. So that seems to be a good program. Um, let's see. Here's the you interesting thing. We go through this is a long article. After all, it's Harvard Business Review. But <laughs> yeah. with one of the, the big takeaways I got from this is obviously the ex just in a shockingly short period of time, um, the world has changed with regards to basically remote work. I guess maybe that's what we call it. You know, I don't know. But the Well, WFA is the new term for it. Okay. Work from anywhere. There you go. Work from anywhere. But it does go in there and talks about a little bit about Verbella. Verbella is, if you guys haven't checked it out before, Verbella is owned by EXP or EXPI technically. And Verbella is this amazing um, virtual campus. And I don't know, it. you have to go and just Google it. You can go on YouTube and watch some videos. But you are an avatar. You're living and working in a virtual world. And this is a good fit time for us to face and talk yes. about Google. Uh, mm -hmm. I said it again. Apple, Apple. glasses. Um, it's because Google tried to make glasses and they were... You know, you looked like something from a it bad Star weird. Trek, yeah. Uh -huh. But so when you look at essentially the direction that the world's going, and this is you we, look, no one has a clear answer as to where this is going to end up. But the reality of it is, is as that pertains to agents, keeping things practical and tactical, you have to think about housing. You have to think about the nature of the market where you're um, selling real estate, and maybe think about whether or not you want to sell real estate there going to the future, because you could be in one of these areas that it's going to become harder and harder to sell in because the taxes are going to go higher and higher. Now, just taking a half step back before we take two steps forward, even in places like Texas, where Julie and I used to live, there um, the property taxes there, no income taxes, but the property taxes there were always really high. And I've been reading more and more articles because we have rental properties there that the property taxes are going to go up even higher. And so this is an interesting little quagmire that uh, those of us who've invested in real estate long term are facing because real estate is going to become less of a 100%, well, even a 90% home run um, because before real estate, you know, in real estate, you made uh, money from appreciation, depreciation, and cash flow. Well, if all of a sudden you have less cash flow, um, you know, you're, we read that article to you for, you know, cash flow because rents were dropping, that article we were reading from that guy in New York City, right? Mm -hmm. But you were also, and he's anticipating property values to drop. So if you have, you know, essentially less cash flow and you have uh, less appreciation, in his case, depreciation he's projecting. Which means less equity, no HELOC for you. Right, which means less taxes that are going to go back to the city, which means they're in turn going to have to raise the taxes in other ways, which means you're stuck in basically a taxes, uh, you know, taxing vortex, which becomes even makes the whole area even less desirable uh, to live in. And I don't, again, no crystal ball here, I promise you, but it does seem like some of these areas of the country are sort of doomed for a not very nice decade to follow. So be very, very aware that if you're in one of those markets, you might want to think to yourself, does it make sense for me to continue to invest myself here? Maybe one of the things you should do in the next you know, 90 to 120 days is get a license in some place that you might, you know, would prefer to live. Or maybe it's like what a lot of New Yorkers are doing and they're just moving outside of New York. You know, we have coaching clients all up and down the East Coast, uh, namely, and in Charleston, uh, you know, South Carolina, you have obviously these rural, you know, semi-rural areas in North Carolina. Those, that's where these people are moving. 
Um, and we, Julie and I have been talking to you about the uh, different ways that connectivity is going to, even in the most you know isolated places in the world, connectivity is no longer going to be a problem. Everyone sings the praises of 5G, but 5G is going to seem slow compared to the stuff that we're going to see come out in the next 24 to 36 months. Now, I want you to just put all these pieces together in your head. If you have the ability to you know do remote work, I'm, it's going to take me forever to remember that acronym. What is it again? A WFA, work from anywhere. Okay. Why would you stay in an area where basically, you know, you're having so many compromises financially and otherwise to your lifestyle, into your health, into your finances, into all the rest of it? You won't. You'll leave. And that's what typically happens. And that's what people are going to start doing. And you know, the old reason, well, it's too isolated and I you know, can't get internet uh, connectivity, that's not going to happen. Things are going to start changing. Actually, I want to do that one next. No, no, no. Let's do it. I, we're going to segue because it's add that to what everything that you just said. And I think if I lived there, I'd be out. All right. Julie's got a horrible story she wants to share with you guys. So I'm not going to stand in her way anymore because, frankly, I don't want to look at this image on my computer no, screen it's, anymore. It's horrible. Go but, for it, Julie. Okay, but here's here's what I was thinking. If I was an agent in, say, New York, or maybe, you know, Chicago also is experiencing some of this. And I was seeing a lot, you know, I've got maybe some listings, but those people are leaving to go to Florida. And I could use the uh, Apple Glass, for example, right. and my home office. Why wouldn't I just get my license in the place they're all moving to, like Florida, yeah. and keep that client instead of referring them out and right. become a bi-state licensee? Right. Or and maybe even more, you know? Well, that's the that's the curse forward slash blessing of real estate is that you establish yourself in a you know marketplace. And then it's very, but you know, it's great. You, over time, you essentially have people, your centers of influence and past clients start sending you business. It just becomes easier and easier, but at the same time, it becomes harder and harder because you're now beholden to that particular geography. Yes. But Uh, you know, this has been done before. The the agents that sell in Washington, DC often are also licensed in Maryland and Virginia. That's going to be the macro trend you just said that people aren't talking about. You're going to see people having multiple licenses in multiple states just because of the fact that they can use uh, things like Apple Glass that we'll talk about in mm-hmm. a second, which I am incredibly excited yes, about. I'll I, I think there. Apple Glass is going to be one of the most revolutionary Definitely. technologies to ever uh, impact society in a, in a positive way. Um, and uh, I'll tell you guys about that in a second. But before we do, Julie has literally a beautiful um, <laughs> image on my computer screen of a million rats. Yes, this comes courtesy of one of our elite coaching clients, by the way, who Yay. also collects weird stories. Okay, so let's just say that you were like, you kind of had it. You're maybe thinking about moving. Well, in one of the surest signs of an impending apocalypse that we have yet seen, a New York City uh. man fell about 15 feet into a pit of rats when the sidewalk sinkhole opened under his feet. The ground simply split and swallowed the victim, 33-year-old Leonard Shoulders, as he waited for a bus on Saturday afternoon. Uh, the Hellmouth, this is actually well-written, too. I liked it that way. The Hellmouth uh, reportedly wrenched open on 3rd Avenue near 183 3rd Street in the Bronx. One minute he was just standing there, his mother said, and the next it was like the suction. He just went down. Well, anyway, long story short, there were horrible, ginormous rats They've tried to figure out where they were coming from. The building next door had a dilapidated uh, basement, I'll say, right? And then the people that, that were running businesses there were told they had to shut down because of the rat problem. So I'm just saying, you know, maybe that $9 billion deficit is, you know, a real thing and we need to at least take care of the rats. 
no, the rats need a place to live too, Julie. Don't be a rat hater. <laughs> so anyway, back to, uh, and we love our New York agents. Don't get me wrong. I'm we, reading... we really feel your pain on all these stories. Uh, but so let's. Here, here, here's the funny. During his descent, debris was falling and hitting him in the head. Uh, White added, when shoulders finally landed, White continued. He'd found that he was not alone. He was like, uh, Ma, the rats are down here and they're ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> they're like so big. He was scared to yell out because he thought they were going to go in his mouth. Gross. Oh. He kept his jaw clamped close and instead waved at onlookers gather, gathering to see the cavity's rim. A wise decision given recent reports of heightened rat aggression. It reportedly took firefighters a half an hour to rescue him, during which he was just down there with all the rats. According to his brother, he broke his arm and his leg. In addition to severely scraping his face, he's now recovering at St. Barnabas Hospital. As to how a city sidewalk ingests a pedestrian in the first place, the Department of Buildings inspected the neighboring building and found a basement in what must be fairly wild disrepair. The Department of Buildings, I'll say, right, issued a full vacate order, prompting three businesses to close until further notice. So good to know they're handling the situation, but then it feels pretty safe to assume that our streets are underpinned by giant churning rat nests. Who knows which of us might be next to take the plunge. This is, after all, the rat's city. We're just living in it. Oh, awesome. More 2020 for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, so let me find out. Uh, let me find, pull this up so that way we can – I know it's very difficult. All right, so I'll that tell you right. guys, I, I, um, I've I been studying this and watching this for a long time um, just because I think it's fascinating. So you guys know about uh, you know virtual reality and all that, at least conceptually you do. Julie and I are right on the age bubble where we didn't grow up with video games like so many other people that are just like five years younger than us did. Um, but this Google, I'm sorry, I did it again, Apple Glass. So here's an interesting little technology that's evolved. And this technology was, the, this product was originally gonna be released this past um, October. And they didn't release it because they know that that this um, wearable device has the potential to be so significant on just, I don't know, the, inter, the, inter, the evolution of the integration of technology and man that they wanted to do it in front of a live audience versus on a screen because of you know, COVID. So they actually are planning on releasing this product in March of next year. But the tech bullet points. I know, but the technology is so extra extraordinary that I really do think this has the potential of uh, being as close to full integration with technology as frankly any of us will ever want to get. Um, so I'm going to start out with a, sort of an interesting little um, thought for all of you. The glasses themselves look like normal glasses. They're not like these atrocious things. Um, like they, VR glasses look. Right. They're not. They look like glasses. And the and that what you're seeing right there, Julie, is actually not a picture of the product. Um, that's closer. Mm -hmm. And so if you guys Google Apple glasses, you'll see what what I'm talking about. There you go. There's they look good. pretty normal. I don't think you'd know different to look at them. You wouldn't. And they have little built-in LIDARs. They have little built-in cameras. Um, but the cool thing is, is that your Apple, like for example, your iPhone, um, your iPhone, it, the initial launch of these things will require you that you have your iPhone on you because it's going to share the connectivity with your iPhone like the original Apple watches did. These things are going to hit the market, I guess, for $4.99 through Apple's uh, website. You're going to be able to put in your glasses prescription if you are wearing, if you have a glasses prescription, and then they're going to send you your Apple glasses along with your prescription. Now, I'm going to hover there for a second. Mm -hmm. If you're an optometrist or if you're Warbly Parker. Warby Parker. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. If you're one of those companies that basically is selling any sort of eyewear, I would be, uh, I would be maybe thinking about hitting yeah. the eject button. Yeah. Or be finding out 
I guess Apple probably wouldn't license them to, to sell their products. Well, I, actually, I think that is what they're going to do because if you think That'd that, like, move. well, what Apple's done, right? I think they're going to co-brand these glasses with designers like they did with Hermes with the mm-hmm. iWatches with the and things like and that. Yep. But then eventually, that's what they'll do if they're smart, obviously, because then they can they'll make them into fashion accessories. Yeah, they'll yep. start, sell a ton more. But that's but isn't that just from a, a, a just a little bit of a, a slight pivot? Uh, now Apple's selling glasses that you can get prescriptions for. That in itself is going to revolutionize. But it's not. Well, tell them what the glasses do, though. Yeah. So the glasses, basically, you can walk around and you will be able to see on the inside of the glasses. People on the outside of the glasses won't be able to see what you're seeing. From the outside, they look like normal glasses. But you're going. To, there's different interfaces. Like, for example, when you look at the, uh, the icons on your phone or the icons on your iWatch, those are going to appear in places in the lenses on the inside. You can obviously make them so they don't appear. So that if you want to, for example, I saw a demo. Um, and again, all this information was somebody uh, snuck it out of Apple, I guess, or one of the... It was a leak. Yeah, it was a leak, basically. But the demo was somebody walking down the street wearing these things. And so you can videotape, for example, while you're wearing these glasses, the glasses themselves. And remember, these just look like normal glasses. Frankly, I think the glasses look pretty cool. They do. So you're walking down the street and you can just like um, look up and have... Uh, and it'll track your eyeballs and the thing will know you're looking at uh, the, the icon to say to tell it to start videotaping. And then it'll start videotaping. When you receive a phone call, they demoed this in one of the videos I saw. Like it'll basically have a little light that'll appear and it'll say, you know, would you like to receive this phone call? And you sh- you shake your head no if no and shake your head, y- y- you know, wave your head yes if yes. And then you can talk th- uh, to the person who called you. And yes, the, um, the glasses have uh, earbuds that are built into them. So you can have, and you can listen to music on them. You can do, a, you do a Zoom call on them. You can do a Zoom call on them. So what you're going to be, you're going to have the ability now to essentially walk around with these glasses on and have full integration with your iPhone without ever having your iPhone out of its pocket. You can do everything that an iPhone can do. And I'll tell you where I think this is going to go. I don't think that texting, first of all, I think texting is going to be the pointy end of the stick because I think personally social networking is going to about to have its ass kicked. Because social networking, the technology, Julie and I watched a movie last night, uh, and we've been rallying against some of the things that have been happening as a result of social networking. But the moral of the story is it's pivoting, it's pivoted in a very bad direction um, that it's going to, there's going to be some kind of repercussions. And I think it's going to come from the government no matter who wins. Because mm-hmm. it seems like all parties now are realizing that social networking has gotten out of control. Well, here's the moral of the story, again, as we keep this practical and tactical as it pertains to real estate agents, is that you're going to have to figure out a way to disseminate, to communicate with your uh, database in a way other than using social networking because the the channels themselves have become so you like you can't for sure know that even if you have like on our personal page julie and i have a very 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 old facebook page it's just facebook.com forward slash tim harris this is back before you could put two names on it and we've tried many times to switch it to a, a fan page or a public uh you know person page but they aren't allowing us because the page is so old that it's almost impossible for them to do it but that's an aside so we are limited to 5,000 people. Um, and then if I put up something that's commercial in nature, you know, maybe this podcast, for example, there's only maybe a few dozen of people who are going to see it. If I, if I you know, paid a boost to the post, it might be maybe 100 people will see it. But I don't control who sees it, not in the truest sense, not like you think it actually works. And what has happened over time is these algorithms, these artificial intelligence algorithms, that are, are, are essentially making decisions as far as what people see and don't see on these social networks have uh, put us all in echo chambers. And here was an example I learned from this movie, and I will loop this back to texting. Mm-hmm. 
in the movie, they were showing how the, the fact is, is that, you know, these AI uh, learning devices, essentially, are learning exactly what you want to see based on your likes and how long you stay on pages and what you see and all the rest of it. And so they know that the more, like for example, they're giving an example. If you had clicked at some point on a story that was a little conspiracy theory, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit on the far, the fringe of, you know, just the realms of reality, just maybe it was like the type of silly stuff Julie and I read just for fun, right? And and then what's going to happen is they're going to say, well, this person's a little loopy. We're going to start sharing them more loopy stories. And then the next thing, all you're reading in your newsfeed are loopy stories because the AI at Facebook thinks you're, you know, loopy and they're going to just continue to share you more, share with you more yeah. flat earth theories and more conspiracy theories, more everything. And then what happens is your mind, if you're not essentially being responsible for your inputs, which clearly you're not if you're on Facebook too often, is your mind is going to be filled with conspiracy conspiracy theories. And that does make you nuts. And there's so yeah, many... you're not in control anymore. You're totally being manipulated right. by the bots, essentially. Exactly. I know that sounds crazy, but, but you know, I even see it as something as basic as your movie selection on Netflix. Maybe you just wanted to try out a documentary because you were curious about whatever. And now all of a sudden, because you watched that, we think you're going to need, want to watch this whole entire genre of weirdness. Yeah, and I don't think it doesn't make sense to me that anyone designed these things to be evil, to be malicious, to be, you know, yeah, trying to ruin society. But what's happened is the artificial intelligence software has essentially evolved itself. It is literally like, um, you know, a, a horrible movie. It's like a, you know, a, a yeah. A dystopic movie. That's what I'm describing. Mm-hmm. But that's actually what ha- everyone keeps on talking about what happens if AI takes over. AI has taken over. So what I realized from watching this movie is A, our, um, social networking as a whole is definitely in a bad way. And there's really no clear way back because of the fact that these AI bots have essentially controlled people, people's inputs and people who are not really like guys think about this. When you were growing up, and for the most part, most of you guys are, you know, 10 years older or younger than Julie and I, was the country so fractionalized? I mean, sure, there were different, you know, there were lots of things wrong, but was it like it is Not now? Close. Was it like it is now? Or do you remember things being, are we, are we really going to believe that, um, you know, things in the uh, 90s and the, that, that basically the all the, I don't, again, I don't want to be political, but are we really going to believe that things have gotten that much worse in that time? Well, maybe in some markets they have. I don't, I don't have enough information, but here's what I do know, how people treat each other and how people think about each other. Mm -hmm. That has really gone off the deep end. And it's because people are constantly filling their minds with more AI created, um, you know, content because they keep on going back to Facebook. They keep on going back to Twitter. They keep on going back to all these drama addiction, right? All these pages keep on hitting them up with more of the same because that's what the AI thinks that they want. Because what these companies are trying to do, and this is how they're all designed, is they're all fighting for your attention. And they're all just, they're basically doing whatever it takes to get you to stay on the uh, page longer and read more. And we've talked about on this podcast before how the scrolling thing mm-hmm. um, and all that stuff, that was all created basically through psych, you know, essentially psychological experiments to make you addicted. The scroll, the, you know, rolling your story up on your phone or even on your desktop Mm -hmm. that's all psychologically designed to keep you there scrolling 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 you're looking for that next dopamine hit 
And then when you add a, like a younger generation, you know, those people will have never known any different other than just basically the world of social networking. And so their brains are very likely permanently programmed to the extent that they're looking for that outside, um, you know, that th those those likes. They're looking for how many followers they well, have. Well, I see, you know, Zoe and I'll watch something innocent, some video or something that she likes. And she'll be like, put a heart on it, put a heart on it, put right. a like, put a thumbs up. I'm like, chill, okay? Chill, you're seven. <laughs> you're seven, not even. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's, it does start out there. And that, you know, that's normal for her. But what, what's going to happen, what it seems to me that's going to happen is people are going to realize, especially after this election, no matter who wins, people are going to generally speaking, at least the, you know, the you're going to see, I think, a real revolt in a lot of ways against social networking because people are not wanting to be at each other's throats, especially in this country. That's not part of the fabric of our country. They're going to want to ask themselves, and I think they're going to, the, the tribing up that's become so normalized in our country, it was never like that before. Mm -hmm. And so I think people are going to start saying, you know what, I know that those, you know, my neighbors are different than me, but we're still all Americans. Maybe I'm being an optimist, but I don't think I am. And all of this, if you like, I've been wondering myself, why is the country sort of ripping itself apart? And certainly the urban centers at its core at, at, you know, why is that actually happening? Is it because there's all these problems? Well, I have to acknowledge that there are definitely problems. But what's at the root? Like I had a, an email from somebody in uh, Oregon, right? And Oregon, if you watch the news, which we don't, but people, you know, we certainly talk with coaching clients so this perception that Oregon is somehow on fire. You know, Oregon somehow itself is going to be one of these, you know, it's going to fall back into the ocean from all this, you know, blah, 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 blah. Hotbed right? of social unrest. Right, exactly. That. Well, guess what? I was talking to somebody who was just out there um, and, you know, through, they were basically saying it's wonderful. <laughs> they were saying it was beautiful. Yeah. And the all this unrest stuff is only happening in isolated areas. Same goes with Atlanta. Same goes. So what you're going to see is if you know, you're stuck in, say, where Julie and I are from, Columbus, Ohio, and you're watching CNN, and, you're, and let's say you're watching all these other sort of, you know, TV stations and news outlets, if you want to call them that, that are biased towards a certain viewpoint, and that's all you ever input, your world's going to get smaller and smaller and smaller because you're never going to leave because you're going to think the whole world is basically on fire. And I think that it goes against human nature to a certain extent, and people are going to revolt against it in their own ways. But look, that's just a little bit of commentary, I think, from that movie being fresh in my mind, mm -hmm. um, which I, we should find the name of it because some of them are going to want to read it. I was going to ask you. Social, it's called Social Unrest. Okay. Yeah, that's the movie. It's on uh, Netflix. So here's how this all loops back. If you're looking for a way to communicate, emailing is going to always be relevant, but also texting. Texting is going to evolve into the next big frontier for how to communicate uh, with your audience and your audience being your centers of influence and past clients. Because texting for the most part won't be able to be filtered or monetized uh, in the sense that they're not going to all of a sudden take your audience and start trying to get you to buy ads to communicate with your audience Gosh, like I you. I hope not. That would yeah. be horrible. They won't. So that's not going to happen. So texting itself is going to evolve faster as a new technology because people are going to say, you know what? I don't want to invest my time and efforts anymore into these social platforms because I realize how destructive they've been and I don't want to do it anymore. You know, and to lesser degrees in a lot of states and a lot of people's mindsets, but you still get the concept. So if you're looking to where the technology is going to evolve, that's going to give you the most bang for your buck, definitely look towards texting. Now, there are lots and lots of laws and as pertains to that. So make sure you're doing it correct. And we're going to talk more about that in a future podcast. But here's where texting itself is going to go. And here's where I think all forms of communication are going to go. Verbal. You're going to see, and this is very realistic to see this happening, um, obviously, next year. 
especially with Apple Glasses coming out, you're going to see the days of sending a you know a text with your thumbs. That's going to come to an end, and people are going to start talking. Now, I know a lot of you guys do send SMSs now just by recording it, and then the thing transcribes it and sends the message. Mm-hmm. That is what I'm talking about. Um, but I, I think what you're also going to see is that the uh, the spoken word is going to replace virtually all forms of communication uh, that was usually entered in through a keyboard. And you're going to look... I think imagine uh, more integration with the the series of the worlds and the and, you know, Apple or the Amazon products. All this stuff is going to start happening faster and faster. So that when you're looking, for example, let's go back to Apple Glasses. So if you want to send a text, you're not just going to stop, pull out your phone, and send a text. You're just going to have your Apple Glasses. You're going to say send a text to Julie, and this is what the text is going to be, or, or message Julie, whatever the keyword is going to be, and that's what how it's going to happen. And then when a message comes in, you're not going to read it. You're going to hear it, it's going to be someone's voice. And then that technology is going to fully integrate with all other aspects of every. So you're going to walk from, you know, you're, uh, you're out in the street, let's say, and you walk home and you walk in your house, your Apple glasses and your iPhone are automatically going to integrate with all the other devices in your phone, allowing you to communicate faster, allowing you to be more in touch with the people that you want to be more in touch with. Um, and that, that's an interesting evolution in technology because what we're doing is we're removing the buffers, the social networking uh, companies from uh, essentially we're disintermediating the social networking companies from uh, commu- the influence, the influence. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, I'm still working all this out of my head. Yeah. But if you want to see where things it's are going to go. Though. Yeah, it is interesting. Think in terms of how can you use uh, Apple Glass. Like Julie and I were thinking, well, from a real estate perspective, what does this do to the Matterports of the world? What does this do to the, the companies that are basically uh, selling, um, you know, uh, virtual tours and whatnot? Well, you could do your whole appointment over your glasses, assuming, especially if your client, your listing client has their glasses, they do a tour. You're seeing what they're seeing, right? And if you want more detail on, you know, maybe that looks interesting, can you show me this? Down to home inspectors and appraisers and everything, You, I think the speed of the transaction is going to be much better. You know, why do transactions take 45 days to 60 days to close now? Because we have to wait around for everything, you know, and they can't schedule it or whatever. I mean, I think the speed is going to be what I would suspect we really feel. Okay, here's for practical for our perspective. Yeah. What if you have a coaching client who's going on a listing appointment, <laughs> okay, and they're wearing Apple sorry. glasses and you're sitting at home in your, you know, at your office, right? Yep. And you're virtually on that listing appointment with that agent. And that agent doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Let's say it's yep. a new agent, got, never gone on a listing appointment. Yep. They're, they're freaking try- out. They're freaking out. They're doing their best. So you're coaching them that the, the seller can't hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You're seeing what that agent is seeing. You're then telling that agent what to say, how to say it. You're essentially, you know, giving them the answers to the test so they can get the listing. I know. It's awesome. I mean, that's an extreme example. Yeah, but but I could see, you know, many different coaching scenarios. I was thinking about how, you know, how it would affect uh, virtual school. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many different applications. And and with the onset of, what is it, the 5G that's going to allow us all to be connected. It's like 6G is what they're talking about already. As long as that's working and the world goes to something like Apple Glass and and it's a common thing, which it will be because look at iPhones and iWatches. Of course it will be. Um, and I, I honestly, even though four ninety nine is pretty expensive, you know, compared to what you spend on like prescription glasses, it's not really that bad. I'm kind of surprised it's not more. So this is the reason I think ultimately technology like Verbella actually might will replace something like uh, Zoom, or at least it'll be a more desirable 
um, alternative to Zoom for people outside. Just, you know, already Harvard uses Verbella. The military uses Verbella. There's tons and tons of companies that use Verbella. I think Verbella had something like a 400% growth rate since um, uh, COVID hit. But I think what you're going to see very realistically is you're going to see people using these virtual reality interfaces in virtual reality-based worlds because the vi- the whole virtual reality thing obviously got started, well, maybe you don't know, with video game guys. So if you're wearing virtual reality glasses and virtual, you know, it's to, you know obviously covering your ears and you're having this whole, uh, whole experience, well, okay, th- that is obviously where you're going to see the biggest growth in the ability to use these VR things. And again, VR was mostly limited to people that are maybe wanting to watch movies, but it never really took off in that and then video games. Well, now we're going to see it integrate into this whole movement, which is allowing people to be untethered to geography, untethered to a physical location for going to work. And again, this is these we're all part of this experience together and this experiment together. But I think it's incredibly fascinating. It's fun and it's exciting. Yeah, it's the next uh, evolution, revolution in technology. And I, I think the cool thing to watch with this is that it will, I think, touch pretty much every aspect of life. You know, well, it, how will it not? I, I can't come it. up with anything. There's, there's going to be, well, you're going to be able to have this, um, again, this all goes back to memory and all these other practical issues, but you're going to have an ability to, it's the Sherman show. Isn't that what it was called? I think so. You remember? You guys, Truman, Truman. Truman Show, show yeah. yeah. The Truman Show. That's in essence what's going to happen, but you're going to be in control of it yourself. We're going to be able to videotape. I mean, I say videotape. How funny <laughs> that is. You know, you're going to be able to record your yeah. life. You're going to be able to record going on a walk in the... Oh, here's the other thing I, I read. This is really badass, yeah. I thought. So there's all these app developers that have been making really cool uh, integrations with these things. One of which, for example, is... So you put on your um, Apple glasses and then you... Again, this is not just video or not just, you know, through your eyes. It's also through your ears. And you can go on a walk of the Louvre in Paris. I know. I love this stuff. Right. Or yeah. you can go race a, dri- race a car. Or you maybe want to... Experiences. Experiences, right. So you can essentially uh, be plugged in and and essentially through your own... Now, how long does it take for your brain to almost 100% be fooled into believing it's experiencing that virtual experience in real life as in you're experiencing it yourself? I think you would be shocked how quickly that happens. I'll, get- I, I'll tell you, it, it will happen. I, you just gave me a little flashback to when I was seven. And the first Star Wars came out. And you remember the opening mm-hmm. where the X-Wing fighters yeah. and you and you were like, oh, my gosh, it's like I'm there. Yeah. And that was so primitive compared to what our technology is today. They had TVs when you were a kid? Oh, you're a year older, so shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's an example. And, and yeah. so the the way yeah. they're designing these VR glasses, these Apple glasses, for example, is that they are going to – there's no – like when you put them on, it's like normal glasses. Like mm-hmm. you're wearing glasses mm-hmm. now and so am I. Mm-hmm. So if, if everywhere where your glasses are, it's, it's essentially you're seeing a projection of uh, what you're – you know, a mm-hmm. TV or a movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or you're looking – taking on a virtual tour of a house. Yeah. It, that's a different experience than watching it on a screen. It's so not a hundred percent different, but it's different Much enough that it's going to move the needle, yeah, right? Definitely. And you know, you just think of all the different ways that th- this could really change how you interact with your customers. It's you know, it makes the it, so you have all these dominoes that are in place, right? People are going to be able to virtually work. People are going to ex- have an expectation that um, you're going to have, uh, you're going to present virtually. Now you have this evolution in the actual, you know, virtual experience. And all of these things are happening at the same time. Now, Julie and I started talking in February how we felt that there was going to be a renaissance that was going to happen. We didn't use that word lightly. No. And, and I think I, this is evidence, though. Right. Exactly. This is evidence. And this is going to be a freeing 
So when you give people the ability to be free, live where they mm -hmm. want to live, do virtual work, yep. not everyone's going to be able to benefit as, you know, because not everyone can be working sure, virtually. But a lot of people. But yeah. what does, what else changes in society? What else changes for the good in society? I don't know. The un unintended consequences, as you said, you know, uh, a couple of people in that article about New York said, you know, Things are a little bit more calm now, and we're eating outside restaurants, and it just yeah, but feels what changes, more of a community. What, not just New York. What changes in the country now that people are untethered to geography? You know, and, I my thought was maybe we all still, maybe we all start feeling like we're part of the same country again. Right. We're all spread out, but we're all communicating in the same kind of virtual manner, and maybe that actually brings the country back together instead of all of these little micro, you know, urbanized areas. Yeah. I don't know. I, no, I, I, don't know, I don't know either, but it is speculative. And I think there's how much, uh, how much stress, how much stress comes from being, you know, up until I think, frankly, earlier this year, you were born into a particular area. And for the, well, it was the Social Security Administration statistics, something yeah. like 95% of everyone are, you know, they born and die in 25 mile radius to the exact same spot. You know, that rule is going to be changed, mm -hmm. not just for us, obviously, for everyone on planet Earth. Yeah, I and so. I, actually, I think this will do something more to make it so people are, once you are given freedom to live where you want to live and, you know, work virtually, live where you, you know, diff different parts of the world, won't that naturally make for more integrated humanity? I think so. Right. I mean, I think that's the direction it has to go. I mean, if you and, and especially when you'll have a better understanding of other places, you know, you'll be able to uh, quickly educate yourself through somebody else's eyes who lives wherever. Right. right. So you and I've lived in Ohio. We've lived in Nevada. We live part time in other places. We lived in Texas. Now we live in Puerto Rico. In each of these places, a lot of it was the same. I mean, Ohio was not that different from Nevada. Just, you know, every the people were everything. It's all still the U.S. Same language, right? Now Puerto Rico is definitely like a different country, but it's pretty much the same because people at their core are the same. But there are marketable differences. Mm -hmm. And had we never left Columbus, we never would have uh, learned about how different people live and their different sure. philosophies of life. And but we had to go there physically. Right. You have to go there physically and with all your travels. So if you can now live wherever you want to live, that means that people are going to obviously maybe choose to move out of places with that they just rather not live. But also states themselves are going to have to become much more competitive to getting people to move there. Well, look what Tulsa did. They're paying people $10,000 to relocate there. Is it possible that people no. there'll be people without a state residence? Is it possible that a you're going to have people? State? Well, a virtual state or you're going to have people that are going to start not ever wanting to be in a state long enough because they don't want to be residents, you know? I don't know. It could they happen. Don't. Yeah, well, look at well, what Well, a lot schools. of people in the article were saying since the pandemic happened, uh, they had been just trying out a series of different states with right. vacation rental properties or what have you. But uh, yeah, I mean, and schools are making it, you know, so that you can be anywhere. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting. I, I do think that another consequence of this may be uh, a lot of commercial space that's going to be vacant on the market, you know, maybe eroding prices or reimagined, you know. Um, what was I reading? Something about, I was about Worthington Mall. They're, they're taking half the mall and turning it into like luxury condos and keeping the rest of it as retail because that's like 20 acres and it's just being reimagined. Um, you know, the, the workspaces and things like that that are, that are being Who changed. Knows? And a lot of them are going to recreational. Like it used to be a big office building and now it's a skateboard park. Well, right. But here's the other thing to think about. So we're talking about um, where the opportunities are going to be, go if, you know, the projections where this technology is going to, you know, basically take us. 
And it's very possible that a lot of the things, like, let me drill down on this particular thing, because okay. I know you. Sure. So you're and I, we've been married for 29 years, mm-hmm. right? 29? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And yes to the same person. Exactly. <laughs> so in that time, we've accumulated a lot of rental properties. Mm-hmm. All right. So given what we're talking about just from today's podcast, if mm-hmm. we had to do it all over again, would we have bought any? Maybe a couple? Yeah. I think we would have done some. But, but it really. would not have been our major investment premise. Right. Because the premise itself has changed. Mm-hmm. Be- just for all the reasons that we've discussed sure. and more. Um, and so if you take that into consideration, you look at that, that means that there are so many institutionalized um, beliefs about how you're supposed to, you know, be successful, what it means to be successful, what it means to, you know, how you're going to accumulate wealth, all these types of things. All this is, could potentially change. You're going to have a, a real opportunity for a total reshuffling of the deck with how people, really how their expectations are for themselves and how they live. It's entirely possible, and this goes back to what we talked about in past podcasts with like the iBuyer thing. Mm -hmm. The iBuyer thing could bring on a whole different way that people think about real estate because they can get rid of it faster. Yes. You know, one of the reasons that people stay in their house for seven years, let's think about why. They stay in their house for seven years. Now, by the way, we do think that um, despite some of these, you know, we're just throwing spitballs, right? That owning a home and home ownership and having a base is going to become more important, not less important. Just that we do firmly believe yeah. that where people choose to live is going to be, um, you know, frankly, it's not going to be where maybe they've chosen to live in the past. For And you could see a lot of people that are not wanting to have some big mega mansion type, you know, type situation. Maybe they're wanting smaller places in different parts of the country that they can just go to during different seasons. Um, and maybe the cost of maybe multiple homes in different states is less than what a big you know condo or apartment would have cost in Manhattan, for example, since we go back to that, or LA. So this is going to open up the opportunity for a lot of people to live differently. Now, we, we keep on using these examples of uh, affluent people being able to have right. options. But the relevance is even it even pertains to people that are less affluent mm-hmm. because this is going to open up educational opportunities yes, for them. especially with the 6G. So right. it's kind of universally access- it's, acceptable. That, and then that's what we have to pay attention to because mm-hmm. if we can agree to some extent that education, and I'm not universally in agreement with education being a, you know, a savior of humanity because it depends really on what you're learning, right? Yeah. <laughs> but at the you end of the day. call it basic education. Right. At the end of the day, you could see, for example, you know, a lot of people getting a lot more education, a lot more degrees and being a lot more knowledgeable and having a lot more options of who they're going to get their knowledge from. Maybe you don't end up just graduating from Ohio State University. Maybe you end up basically uh, doing your English credit at this university and your you know your math credit at this university. And then you end up with maybe a just some other new form of degree that no one's even thought of before. What is that doing? To, what does that do to pricing? What does that do to these big, huge campuses all over the United States where you know there's all these you know stoic old buildings yep. and the cost of maintaining them, the endowment funds, and what happens to all of that? It all gets changed. Everything's going to evolve, and it's going to evolve incredibly, incredibly fast. So just, again, we don't obviously have all the answers. You guys don't have all the answers. But keep but, your eyes open for the renaissance. Right. This is going to be a renaissance in that you're going to see a lot of people who have been walking around and have accepted the limitations of these lives that you know are dependent on geography and living a certain kind of life, and kids have to go to school, and you have to live in this community for the kid to go to that school. If all that stuff starts to change and people start to feel free maybe like never before, what is that going to do to society? Nothing bad. <laughs> no, I think it'll all be good. I think it'll be uh, transitional times, you know, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to be exciting. 
Yeah. So any so, other any other uh, topics? Well, I have one last weird thing to oh, report. Let me oh, which, oh uh, yes. Okay, you well, know, I didn't. I thought it was a hoax at first, and I'll then. Pull it up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll <laughs> end with, oh, you know what we should do before that one though? What? Did you see the story I sent you on this? Oh yeah, that's perfect. And I, I don't think that that, either they haven't recorded yet. I don't think that's sold yet because I checked on, uh, okay, today. So we're going to round, we're actually, you want to, let's do this one first, then we'll do your yeah, funny one. We'll leave it on a high note. Okay. So this is a really funny, well, it's not funny. It's kind of scary as hell if you want to know the truth, but this is, <laughs> this is a really good story. Timely, we'll call this it. is a really good story, but the section I liked the best, Julie, was, mm -hmm. let me just point it out to you so you don't skip over it. Um, here, let me show it to you. It's a section where he was accepting offers up until, uh, uh, here Last we go. Last night. Just before midnight. Okay. I, know. That I, awesome. I, I thought that was a great this, idea. For what, this. what this story is about is a very creative real estate agent. I'll yes. just say that. So this listen is to this. Great. this. Don't is skip great. any of this. this I won't. Good. Okay. So, so this is this is your Halloween story, guys. So we're a day yeah. late, but still, this is a great story. All right. Here's the headline Hot, Haunted Upstate Castle to be auctioned off on Halloween. Bids begin at 25000 At the stroke of midnight on Halloween, the gavel will fall on a haunted castle in upstate New York. The starting bid, just 25000 This sounds like a steal for the approximately 7,000-square-foot mansion in the Finger Lakes that features three stories, including an extremely spooky basement, four fireplaces, a separate carriage house, a turret, stained glass, and so many bedrooms that the listing simply advises aspiring nobility to, quote, see the floor plan, but also included... Ghosts, but that's not in the MLS check form as you're uh, putting it in. There's activity there. A hundred percent paranormal uh, investigator and founder of the Ghost Hunter Group, Soul Searchers, Sean DeBellio, told the Post, pointing to ample audio and video evidence of supernatural occurrences. We got everything from noises to figures on our SLS kinetic camera, a camera that can see what human eye can't see. Uh, in 1871, stockholders of an Auburn, New York mill spent seven thousand dollars. So think about that pricing, but that was probably a ton of money back then, 1871, to build a castle in a style reminiscent of a Scotch manor from the mill manager and Scotsman Samuel Laurie. But Laurie's wife, uh, Jane McAllister, would tragically die in the building. In August 1890, she succumbed to the prolonged case of the gripe, which is an archaic term for the flu, influenza. Her funeral was held in the castle. Some say her spirit never left. The couple had 10 children and only one son survived. Three years later, the Panic of 1893 decimated Laurie's mill interests, and he was forced to sell the property. Soon after, his health began failing, and within two years, he had died of Bright's disease. With psychic medium Suzanne Updike, DeBello connected with spectral children in the garage, a former carriage house. We asked, do you remember the cars? And a child responded, lots of cars, said DeBello. There's something intelligent there. You don't always get stuff like that. Owner Patrick Connolly has enjoyed being a local celebrity ever since he bought the castle at 45 Owasco Street. If you guys want to look it up, that's O-W-A-S-C-O, -S 45 Owasco Street, five years ago. But he has finally decided to put the fixer-upper on the market with broker Michael DeRosa. Bids are accepted online and from anywhere in the world up until, quote, just before midnight I on October that. 31st. That's so funny, isn't it? Uh, do you want me to finish it out? Yeah, yeah, okay. it's good. Uh, whether I'm in the diner or the pub, it's always the same thing. This is the guy who owns the castle, said 55-year-old Connolly, who told the Post he pretty much knows how the conversation's going to go. First thing they ask, is it haunted? Said Connolly, who always answers in the affirmative. I thought the spirits were really friendly to me. I don't think they have harm in mind. They just want to let us know they're there. A few months ago, while he was up in the attic with a small group taking pictures... A poof of dust appeared out of an old wicker baby carriage. We stepped back and asked each other, did you see that? Recalled Connolly, who noted a few especially spooky pot spots around the property. 
that the hair on my neck stands up, I get freaked out. I feel cold whenever I'm down in the basement. It's creepy. Another time a friend was over with his back towards the closet and said, well, I don't believe in ghosts, when the door suddenly popped open and hit him on the head. Then he changed his tune, I do believe, recalled Connolly. Well, so, so anyway, there you go. evidently Something it's still for sale, or maybe it did sell. Well, you know, you should go online and find out. But it does look like a pretty it's, huge... It really looks like a cool house, actually. You know, it was uh, Colette McDonald who was yeah. uh, developing a TV show, one of our oh, coaching yeah. clients, for HGTV or something. That's right. And it was called Flip This Haunted House. You haunted, remember? haunted Flips or something. Haunted yeah. Flips, I know. She, this, well, this showed... would qualify. And, you know, kudos to that agent because can you imagine walking into uh, that listing appointment? What am I going to do with this, right? And turning it into something that got a lot of press. So that was smart. Yep. All right. So last story, um, and then we're going to round the bend. And guys, I hope you're taking from our podcast today um, and just in our podcast in general. Remember, this is not a normal podcast. I hope you're understanding that we are incredibly optimistic about real estate moving forward. All the things that we've talked about are going to expand opportunities and it's going to increase the demand for caring, competent, and skilled real estate professionals globally. That's where we're. That, that's where our minds are going. And if you're thinking about, well, how can I make the most of it? The first thing you got to really do is make sure you're not caught in the echo chamber that so many of us seem to be caught in nowadays. The confirmation bias, um, uh, you know, essentially that that has gotten to the point where. You're, most of us, if we're not media-free like Julie and I choose to be, except for goofy stories like the ones <laughs> we're reading you, you're going to be always surrounded by people that think and act and talk exactly like you do, virtually and otherwise. That's going to make it so you your world gets smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where you're living underneath the staircase. So you've got to really challenge yourself in these last two months of this year, maybe to completely unplug from social because it is detrimental to your health. And it's fascinating to me when I really got to thinking about this this morning mostly. And I was thinking about the, um, you know, this absolute psychological warfare that's been happening between people using virtual or using social networking in the companies and the AI that's developing it. How is that any less detrimental than smoking or alcohol or all these other types of things that basically at least have warning labels on them? Well, I was going to say that. I think it's actually sneakier. It is sneakier. And it's yeah. it's more, it, it's everlasting too. And because it does rewire your brain. It takes advantages of all the, the weaknesses in how your neurology works and the dopamine responses and your fear responses. All that stuff is, even though when you're using it, you just, it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like you're being attacked, but you really are. And you're, it's slowly learning more about you. Um, and as it learns more about you based on, based on what you read, how long you read it, whether you like something or not, this is not just obviously Facebook, but it's all sorts of social interaction. As this movie points out, you've got to realize you are the product. And what it's trying to do is trying to monetize you and your thoughts and control how you think and control what you see. And, and at the end of the day, that's the reason that so many people are one of probably the dominant reasons why so many people are feeling so much uh, stress, un unnecessary stress, unnecessary loathing in a lot of ways um, at a time when there's so many wonderful things that are happening on the planet. So if you get caught in this echo chamber of negativity, you're going to miss maybe one of the, you know, some of the greatest opportunities of your lifetime because it really truly does feel like there's a, you know, it really does feel like there's going to be an, an amazing advancement in all good things for the most part 
um, in humanity because of the fact this technology is going to bring us all together. Because this, you know, even though this pandemic's been awful for a million reasons, the reality of it is there's so many great things that are happening as a result too that we've been discussing on all of our Sunday podcasts. I hope you're seeing it like that. And you have to actively look for it too. You do because you're not getting it from you know normal obvious sources. And I want to also talk about something. And Julie's going to read a story uh, about monkeys to you here in a second. Yes, monkeys. This is the kind of thing my wife likes. My wife likes to look for. Okay, so you're if you're for example you're stuck in a broker and you're living in a town and everything's nice as you know everything's as it should be everything's as it was for a thousand years i get that that's how julie and i grew up too understand that you probably won't really have that much ex- you nothing's really going to probably change in, in such with such speed that your life is going to be overly disrupted so be you know just be cognitive of that but also at the same time realize that the expectations that consumers are going to have for you are going to be radically changed um, you're going to have to, you know, have the tools necessary to compete with uh, iBuyers. You're going to have to have the tools to be able to communicate with folks like they want to be communicated with. You're going to have to get really used to using these virtual technologies and really used to essentially operating in a virtual world. And what's going to happen, and it does not matter what age you are, the more you use it, the more essentially comfortable and natural and normal it starts to feel. And that's what we think is going to happen, just drawing a couple of these stories together, is with the Apple glasses and some of these other technologies like Verbella, it might seem a little foreign to you now, but when you start using it, you're going to start getting more used to it, and so is everybody else. Look what social networking has done in just 10 years. Not all bad, not all good, but look what's happened. This virtual technology and what's coming next, is it, that's what we're describing to you now. That's going to uh, You're going to see everybody's way of communication and their expectation of how they want to be communicated with. It's going to change so fast that if you're t- stuck in some small town like where Julie and I are originally from and you're not paying attention to it, you're going to lose you know, decades of um, you know, potential. And look, you guys can be global citizens. Like with EXP Realty, they're opening up um, all over the world. So you're going to be able to be part of EXP Realty, part of the same brokerage all over the world. It's extraordinary. And EXP is doing that because of the fact that they're a virtual company. They're like, all, they're, you know, it is a technology company. Okay. So think bigger and allow yourself maybe just to put your fingers on the first rung of the sense of freedom. And like, you know, Julie and I didn't wait until we were, quote unquote, of retirement age to move Mm. to the Caribbean. Maybe that's in the cards for you. Just think bigger. If you want to talk to Julie and I about uh, joining eXp Realty, we'd love to be your sponsors. We'd love to influence you to help you join. Feel free to text me directly at 512-758-0206. And let's have a conversation. Um, 512-758-0206. Julie has got a story and it'll be our last uh, bit of our podcast for Sunday because we need to go enjoy where we live. <laughs> yes, we're maybe failing at resort. Okay, so uh, I this is real. I did research it in multiple places. I know you're not going to believe me, but it's real. Costco pulling products allegedly gathered by, wait for it, forced monkey labor. <laughs> okay, now where do all those coconuts come from? Some get plucked off trees by monkeys who were captured by trappers and forced into labor. Amid calls to boycott prop, uh, products that use monkeys, the mega store chain Costco has pledged not to stock coconut products from Thai suppliers who are accused of using monkeys, officials from uh, PETA, People of Ethical Treatment of Animals, told USA Today. Costco follows the lead of other big change, chains like Walgreens, Food Lion, and Giant Food, all of which stopped stocking several brands of coconut milk after PETA charged that monkeys in Thailand were being used to pick coconuts. Uh, No kind shopper wants monkeys to be chained up and treated like coconut picking machines. 
Uh, Costco made the right call to reject animal exploitation, and PETA is calling on holdouts like Kroger to follow suit. USA Today quoted a letter from Ken Kimball, Costco's vice president and general merchandise manager of corporate food and sundries. Quote, we have ceased purchasing from our supplier owner of the brand Chaoko, C-H-A-O-K-O-H, uh, Kimball wrote in the letter dated September 29th, we will continue to monitor the implementation of the harvest policies. So this is a real thing. Yep, monkeys used to harvest coconuts because it's 2020. Yeah, but read this, Julie. The monkeys can pick up to 400 uh, coconuts per day. Well, I, I mean, the, they're efficient little fuzzy guys. And we should start coaching monkeys to, to basically sell real estate. <laughs> they're look motivated, how, I guess. Look how know? efficient they are. Monkeys from all over Thailand are used by the Thais to, uh, to retrieve coconuts. The tourist authority of... Okay, mon- also promotes a monkey center where tourists can watch their primates learn how to collect coconuts for three hundred uh, for three hundred baht or about ten dollars. Kids can catch the show for hundred five dollars. Yeah, yeah, I mean those are those are very focused trained monkeys. You know, trained mm-hmm. monkeys. Yeah, I mean and yeah. th- and they're trained this well and they don't use social networking. I know. You see, you don't need it after all. <laughs> oh, anyway, that's, that, a, that's from our bucket of weird news. Yeah, we'll, we'll continue to share with you guys weird stories that are designed to I'm take sure your this, minds away from the. Yeah. So look, we have an election on uh, Tuesday. Yeah. The election, reason to look for weird news. The election will be over. And remember, they're Hopefully. predicting there's some sort of asteroid that's supposed to come near the Earth on Monday. Might as well. So, so you might as well watch that. Yesterday, there was a blue moon. You know, which happens one every, what, 43 years I or know, something? A blue moon, an election, an asteroid, and a time change all in one week. Yeah, I all in one know. week. You know, it's going to be an up. interesting week. So give yourself, up, buttercup. Give, that's right. give yourself a little bit of a break this week. If it feels weird, it's because it's weird. Yeah. And uh, look, we do have effectively 60 days left this year. Um, and granted, there's not 60 work days left this year. Realistically, you're going to take some time off around Christmas and you're going to, uh, this week's going to be a weird week. You're going to take time off around Thanksgiving, but do commit to doing what you're supposed to be doing with the work days that you've got yet this year to build momentum into next year. If you guys are not part of the free coaching program, it's very simple. Just text the word survival to 31996. Text the word survival to 31996. And when you do, we're going to give you free access to the free coaching program that we started as a result of the pandemic. Um, and it does include a daily semi-private coaching call. And be very clear, this is only maybe 2 or 3% of the normal coaching program. But it does give you uh, the 90-day massive action plan, which is what I have in mind for all of you to implement immediately because it puts you in a position of knowing exactly what you're supposed to do, be doing every single day for the next 90 days. And what do you do when the 90-day massive action plan is over? You start it all over again on day one and you keep doing that for the all of 2021 and then you're always going to stay in production. Guys, look, I know everybody and their brothers trying to make you be pessimistic, trying to make it so that you're fearful. Don't allow them to manipulate you. And if you want to know how much you've been manipulated, take my challenge. Unplug yourself from all media for the next 60 days. Why don't you give yourself that little holiday gift and completely stop using social networking? Put up a post on all your socials and say, I'm checked the heck out for the next two months. Just do it. See if you can. Turn off all the apps on your phone so they don't, you know, ping you and torture you and remind you and just completely cut all that stuff off. And you're going to go through sort of like the phases of, you know, essentially you're going to, the first thing is you're going to feel anxious. You're going to go through, you know, detox basically from all this social stuff. I bet you every single one of you within 30 days are going to start feeling less fearful. You're going to start feeling more optimistic. You're going to start essentially doing more of what you're supposed to be doing, which is being of service to other people. And all this fear-based stuff 
that has become so normalized is going to seem, you know, frankly, less relevant to you because you know your highest and truest purpose on planet Earth is to be of service to other people. And you can't be service to other people if you're always living in fear. So give yourself the, you know, the gift of having mental and emotional freedom from the things that are making you feel fearful. And then you will find that everything you want in life is on the other side of that. Maybe if you can't commit to 60 days, why don't you just do it for two weeks? especially after the election. Unplug. Don't allow yourself to be manipulated. Understand that the, you know, essentially, watch this movie we mentioned, but understand, it's on Netflix, understand that these technologies are definitely designed for people to uh, essentially be at each other's throats. It wasn't originally designed that way, but that's how it's become. So give yourself permission to check out of it. And yes, eventually other people will figure out what I just said is true as well, but you have to be a leader in your own family, in your own community, and maybe consider just going cold turkey on social networking. Do it for a week, do it for two weeks, see how you feel afterwards, okay? Does that make sense to all of you? That's our suggestion. And as always, we try to keep our Sunday show completely different than our normal podcast. For normal you know, real estate coaching and training, just listen to the number one daily listened to uh, podcast in the United States. And our aspirations are to have it be the number one daily listened to podcast for real estate pro- uh, professionals on planet Earth. Uh, but you can obviously listen to us every day on iTunes, Stitcher. We're on, I don't even know, 20. We're syndicated on 20 different platforms now. Spotify, uh, Audible picked us up. But yeah, and continuing to, um, you know, I really appreciate your guys' support on the podcast. It's something Julie and I enjoy doing. Most days anyway. (laughs) And also remember, Harris Rules is for sale at um, your local Barnes & Noble, every bookstore really, and also on Amazon. It is the perfect holiday stocking stuffer because it is is already wrapped in a festive green cover. So there you guys go. Pick up Harris Rules. And if you're looking for something to inspire you and give you real clear, no BS direction, definitely want to read Harris Rules or you can also get that on Audible as well. Um, Harris Rules, again, you can get it on Amazon. That's the easy button. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow.